Welcome to Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. I'm so glad you're with us. You can always find us at goodlifetelevision.org. We're brought to you by the Turner Foundation here in Santa Barbara, California. So if you're watching on TV Santa Barbara, we welcome you. Or if you're online all over the world, we welcome you as well. Uh, we're so grateful. We're talking about the good stuff. A lot of great people uh, at goodlifetelevision.org and hope you'll check out some of those stories. The long form interviews as well as the power clips and you can find us on all the social media platforms as well so we're just glad you're with us this is a place where we're talking about good things and uh, and one of the things that we love is law enforcement and so senior deputy mike baker is with me he's with ventura county sheriff's department correct yes sir get that right absolutely Welcome. thank you very much Thanks nice to coming. be here we do love law enforcement it's so important such an important part of our life uh, in the United States and, and I want to make sure that we honor folks like you for the work you've done and so you've been doing this for 20, 30 years? 32 years in March. 32 years. Good Lord that makes me feel old. <laughs> no you're not old. <laughs> what's been, what's that like 32 years in law enforcement? Because I hear a lot of things about the profession, just the burnout, what you take right. home, you know what's on your shoulders, the things you see mm -hmm. that those of us that aren't in law enforcement don't see. Sure. How have you kind of navigated that over 32 years? You know, it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of diversion after the job, before the job, right? You know, when you come home, a lot of stuff that you do to keep yourself occupied. Um, me personally, uh, 32 years has gone by like that. I mean, it's, it's crazy how fast, but um, I think the thing that has really kept me through is the people that I've worked with, the partners that I've had. Um, I've got one brother by birthright with my folks and two brothers um, that I've worked with over the last 30 years who are both now retired. And uh, it's, it's those connections, the people connections that you have yeah. that really helps you get through because they're the ones that help kind of get you through situations. Um, we've yeah. been through a lot and uh, it keeps you sane. Yeah. You know, so it's the uh, people that, you work with. People. That's, that's important. Yeah, I mean, you don't, people don't call you for good news. Not, not always, There's not something no. good happening when you're called. No. I mean, you show up to scenes of difficulty, violence, family, like, uh, what, I mean, talk about that, being in the line of work where literally, I mean, I, I'm sure you, I, we're going to talk about some of the good stuff. Sure, no but, worries. But the difficult <clears throat> stuff, I mean, how, how have you kind of, What's that like? You know, for me, it's always been, ever since I signed on, when I first started, I knew I was going into a profession where I wore my briefcase around my belt um, or around my waist. I drove my office around instead of going to an office and carrying a briefcase every day. So I knew there was gonna be stuff, right? For lack of a better term, um, things that I would see. And there have been things that, that do, they, they put you on the spot and they go home with you. Um, you wake up in the middle of the night and you, you think about these things. Um, you go through a little post-traumatic stress. Uh, but really, um, when you expect it, when you go into a profession knowing what you're getting into, you equip yourself a lot better to deal with that. <clears throat> One of the things that I used to train with uh, trainees and recruits in the academy is mindset. And in law enforcement, you'll hear a lot about mindset having the right mindset, you know, looking at the, the positive outcome going into a situation, preparing yourself. And mindset is everything. 99% of success comes from motivation and hard work, right? But for the mindset, 99% of, of a successful outcome comes from setting your mind right, knowing um, that you're going to 
succeed, you're going to live, you're going to survive, and you're going to go home at the end of shift. Um, so I think that wow. that helps prepare a person in law enforcement for looking at the, the ugliness in life. Yeah. And then, of course, being able to mitigate that after hours and deal with it instead of just stuffing carrying. it down inside of you and carrying it with you. Certain things never leave you, don't get me wrong, um, but, but otherwise you have to you know, expect it what you're going to get into and, and deal with it accordingly. Yeah. Mindset. That's really mm -hmm. good. That's good for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. it applies to everything in life. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You spent the bulk of your career in patrol. Right, about fifteen, 15 plus, give or take years. Okay, and then and then what what caused you to transition into kind of some of the other stuff? Well, in law enforcement, at least with my department, as um, most most departments in the state of California, you have certain assignments that you can do. So when we graduate the academy for my department, the sheriff's department of Ventura County. We go to custody, typically. And we spend a few years in custody, not because we did anything bad. <laughs> spend a few years in custody. But, yeah, so I always tell people, what'd you do when you started the job? I went to jail. Uh, but, <laughs> but then you rotate out to patrol. So those are the two cruxes for, uh, or the two basic jobs that you have in the sheriff's department. Um, and then from there, we have you know, a multitude of different jobs. And based on what you want to get into, is what you can get into. So we work in detectives, canines, the air unit, um, SWAT, narcotics, intel, special enforcement, crime prevention. Um, there's a, a bunch of different assignments and then different collateral jobs because a lot of what we do on the department is run on collateral assignments, which means it's something you do in addition to your regular job. I see. So, you know, if I was working, let's say, in the crime prevention unit um, and I was assigned to the honor guard or uh, the hostage team or tactical negotiations. That's something we do in addition to that job. It's not a full-time assignment. Wow. So, Have you done hostage negotiation? Oh, yeah. I did that for about 14 years. Really? That was, that was fun. You know, because I mean, I'm a big guy, right? I'm, I'm a big, huge cop and everything, but it's bigger people than me. Don't laugh. It's not that funny. <laughs> but, but no, I, I learned early on that um, being a, a leprechaun in law enforcement, I have to learn how to use this to talk somebody into handcuffs. And so I learned early on that I could talk a lot, uh, talk a good game. Most people told me that I could sell ice to an Eskimo. And, uh, Do you use humor? Oh God, no, humor is terrible. Yes, I use humor all the time, sorry. Sarcasm, double entendre, everything. But um, So all that comes into play. Yeah, absolutely. Hostage negotiations, okay, so let me, let me say it. Hostage negotiations is what we used to call it for the longest time. It's now tactical negotiations because in 32 years and 14 years on the hostage team, I never actually had a bona fide, you know, give me, with a hostage, you know, somebody holding him to a gun. Right. I've had a guy holding a gun to himself. Right. Um, but, you know, typically it's somebody who's barricaded. So it's tactical negotiations is what we call it now. And so what do you, okay, so what do you say to the guy who's got a gun to his head? Put the gun down. And, and then you go from there. <laughs> okay. First thing is, is you want to kill your basis. Hey, can you do me a favor and just put the gun down? Just put the gun down. And they say no, and then we move on to something else. But, okay, what else? But, what else? you know, it's, it's really, okay, so tactical negotiations is this whole dynamic. We have a team of um, intel gatherers. We have a primary negotiator and a secondary negotiator. And typically, we're not face-to-face -face like this with a guy with a gun. That's not too smart because you don't want the gun turned on you. Right. Um, but you usually have some ulterior means of communication, either by a telephone. Um, we, ha we deploy a throw phone that we can have a closed circuit conversation with them. Um, maybe their cell phone. Um, so there's a lot of different dynamics, but 
we wind up trying to get into the why and how they came to be where they are in crisis. Recognize the fact that they're in crisis. So they're not going to respond to the put the gun down, put the gun down, put the gun down, right? Uh, right. Stop resisting. You know, you see that a lot. Um, so you have to stop and listen. And then you have your team that's working on gathering intelligence as to the why the person is in the crisis that they're in um, and use those pieces of intelligence to sort of get your hooks in, to get a rapport. Once you establish a rapport, it brings them from that crisis down a little bit and then they start to gain trust in you and you start to negotiate their surrender. Um, a lot of times in the team, we'd always say, you know, they want a helicopter, a million dollars, and a trip to Aruba, and we give them a Big Mac and a pat on the head and put them in jail, you know, at the end of it. But, wow. That is fascinating. It really is. I, I, I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, fun, you know, in terms of, you know, but not you, like you got the right yeehaw. makeup for this. <laughs> Thanks. I can see it. I mean, I'd want to negotiate with you if I was in that situation. You know... It's funny because um, I've, I've been in certain trainings and stuff and my training from being on the tactical negotiations team where they put me in a, like a practical scenario or a scenario where you're acting out with some other actors and the people were like, I'm done like after five minutes, but oh, I'm lucky that way. Right. You know, and yeah. like I said, you have anybody can fight anyone else into handcuffs and I've done it. Right. Yeah. But it takes a little bit of finesse right. and a little bit more brain power to be able to talk them into handcuffs. Right. And I think that that's. That's key because in this line of work, we're not getting any good PR, right? We're right, not getting any right. good p press right. on, on what we do. And if I go to Fifth City That's a with problem. Somebody, That's why you're here. Exactly, right? Yeah, right. You know, yeah, it's, not, it's not all about going to Fifth City on the knuckle train. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, do, we really do care. And I'm not going to say every single cop out there is perfect. Nobody's perfect, right? Right. Nor but, in any profession. Absolutely. Right. I mean, people make mistakes. People are human. They're going to fall prey to emotions. Their, their, their fuse is going to get shorter and shorter. Sooner or later, somebody's going to step on that one last nerve that they've got, and then they snap, and they get ticked off, and mistakes happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know. And, and, you know there's a, the, the, with the badge, there's an there's a authority. Right. And if I go out on the street and I say, stop, it doesn't work. Right. You go out on the street and say, stop, it works. Sometimes There's, most of it should work, but that with that that that's a major responsibility. That kind of authority. I mean, when kids see you, or I mean, sure, people look at you different. They do, and that's a there's a power in that. I mean, in a good way. Right. An opportunity. Exactly. I feel used. like Peter Parker. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. Right. Right. Um, for those of you that don't know, that's Spider Man. Right. Um, I just saw but, that the other day. <laughs> that's a great movie. Yeah. But um, all of them. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because when I put the uniform on, and I think I speak for the majority of law enforcement out there, when we put the uniform on, there's a switch that happens. Whether we're working patrol um, or custody or any other uniformed assignment or any non-uniformed assignment, plain clothes, once you put the gear that you're going to be wearing when you're on duty on, there's a switch that changes in your head. And you become something different, not Superman. There's no hero complex, but it's that mindset. Yeah. And it's a mindset where we're constantly aware of things around us and constantly aware of what we, pro what we project in society. Yeah. So, you know, I walk into a Starbucks and um, 
kids will come up and ask for a sticker um, or parents will, you know, say, hey, say hello to my son or my daughter or something. And, and it's, it's a huge deal. It really yeah, is. It and is. You know, you got to have a good sense of responsibility to what it is that you project and that positive image, not always the, the hardcore cop, you know. Yeah. It's the, always the showing up. The stuff that you see in the media. Right. Yeah. That, that's, uh, that, is, that is a big responsibility. And now you've, you've talked with kids. You've done well, I want to get into active shooter training and stuff mm-hmm. you've done. But, I mean, the, w- w- you've spoken to kids. You've spoken to 5,000 kids on the I used on to the teach D.A.R.E. Program. Yes. What, what did you, what's your message to them? Oh, geez. Well, D.A.R.E. Is, is no longer taught in Ventura County. Um, we still have vestiges of D.A.R.E. throughout the nation, I'm sure. But it's not a LAPD-run organization anymore. It's a private organization. Um, but, you know... I taught D.A.R.E. back before the turn of the century, which really sounds kind of cool to say. Um, And the message is is basically scripted for D.A.R.E., but a lot of stuff that I would say, and it's funny because I've been probably using this this miniature speech for 27 years, um, even longer because I did it with inmates in custody, and I said, I would always tell kids that there's only one thing in life that you control. And I tell this to adults, arrestees, people in crisis, anything. There's only one thing in life that you control. And that one thing controls everything that happens to you. Literally. And what is that one thing? And you think to yourself, what is that one thing? Choice. Mm. The choices that you make control everything that happened to you. Do this or don't. What you choose determines the consequences. Right. Now, keep in mind, you... Um, fall prey to destiny, fate, stuff that is beyond your control. So despite your choices, you may make the right choice and the bad thing or the wrong outcome happens to you. That's, that's a fact of life. Life has a way of messing with our plans infinitely, right? Yeah. But the one thing that you have control over is the choice that you make. And with that, the majority of everything that happens to you is your fault. And then responsibility is not out here. Responsibility is here. Right. Accountability is here first. And right. if you did the right thing, then who failed you? And that's when you point the finger outside. So that's the message that I would try to convey. It's it's con- so make the good. right choices. It's really good. And did you enjoy that? I did. I did. You can only do it for so so long because you know booger pickers are a hard a hard breed to deal with. <laughs> um, but. Uh, <laughs> But they're fine. They're fun. And it's funny that I, later in, in my career, a few years back, I was at the academy um, as a TAC officer or like a drill instructor for the military. During my four years at the academy, I had half a dozen former D.A.R.E. students that I put through the D.A.R.E. program when they were, you know, really? table topplers. They were 12 years old. Here they were 10, 15 years later going through the academy and I was their staff officer. Really? Which was really cool. Wow. Yeah. That is really cool. The, you know, I, we're talking about law enforcement. I mean, I think the only, th- the only thing I think sometimes we don't think about is what would life be like if we didn't have that blue line? Right. You know, it, it, yeah, like, I, I just, you know, there's, there's been some talk about, you know, the police and whatever it is. And I just think sometimes I think we need to step back and realize how blessed we are mm-hmm. to have order. Mm-hmm. Order is good. Sure. And you guys bring order. And so, I mean, I just think that there's a, there, there needs to be a little bit more perspective and gratitude about, because we wouldn't like it if it was the alternative. Right. <laughs> I, I totally agree. <laughs> the good guys with the guns 
you know, we, 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 we don't want to see the alternative. Absolutely. You know? you know, the interesting thing about that, going back to the standing in line at the coffee shop with kids and so forth, and I've been there multitude times, and, and infinite cops will tell you this. They're standing in line at the coffee shop and kids saying something, and the parents come up and say, hey, Johnny, you know, Susie, you better behave or I'm going to have this man arrest you. <laughs> and I've stopped these parents and I say, oh, no, Susie, Johnny, I'm not going to arrest you. I'm going to arrest your mom or your dad for not being good parents. Oh. <laughs> and then I pull the parents aside and I say, don't, don't tell kids I'm going to arrest them because when they need the police or when they get in trouble, what are they going to think? That right. the cops are going to be there to arrest them. And that's really where I think society and, and the, the idea behind it is, is well-intended right parents are not doing that to instill fear but they unconsciously do that because it's it's that message that's being communicated and what i think there needs to be in society is you know a certain I'm going out on a limb here right yeah. but bear with me it's a good ride <laughs> um so there needs to be a certain amount of defunding that occurs in law enforcement because Police officers are expected to be the law keepers, the peacekeepers, the enforcers of the law, um, the ones that protect others, the ones that respond and run when everybody else is running this way, they're running towards the threat. They need to be the first aid, first responders. They need to be the caregivers, the so social workers, the um, divorce mediation counselors, the in-crisis counselors, the psychologists, the race car drivers, as we were talking earlier. All of these things, and quite frankly, when people give one profession all of those duties, they hold them up to an expectation very similar to what we expect God to do for us, yeah. or very similar to what we expect, you know, perfect to be. Right. And we're not that. Yeah, that's true. We're humans, right? right? And so when you take some of those things off and you reallocate them to other people to help, right? Right. Now, in my career, I have. I've pulled up a hose and climbed a ladder and helped firefighters put fires out, right? I've helped save pets, right? I've done animal control duties, fire department duties. I've done CPR, done paramedic duties, all of those things. We do that, and that's the norm. But I'm talking about those things where we're considered um, experts when we really aren't. And that, I think, is where that change, that shift needs to be for law enforcement because it's where right there's now, more support there's more support because yeah. now we're doing what it is that we're supposed to do. Right. That's a good point. And not that we can't do a, you know, a certain amount of that to a certain extent. Yeah. But I think what that does is it sets us up for failure right. in this profession. Yeah. You're and not a social worker. No. Right. Um, and, and in my department, I'm very blessed to work for Ventura County. Um, I've got a great department. We are one of the best trained agencies in the state, if not the nation. Um, having been at the academy for four years, I can vouch for that. Um, we go through um, stringent um, recertifications for, for everything that we do in our profession on a daily basis. Is there room for improvement? Absolutely. There's always room for improvement. But, um, you know, I work with a great amount of people that really hold their job close to their heart um, and enjoy it. They love what they do. And then I also work with, you know, the guys are like, I freaking hate this job. I want to retire. You know, yeah. um, that happens. You know, you get tired. Your job, your career, your passion, your vocation is what you make it. Yeah. So that's mindset. why I say mindset, mindset and choice. Yeah. So oh. good. I'm learning a lot. The senior deputy with a sense of humor. <laughs> we found him. 
sometimes. Not everybody thinks so, though. <laughs> I, I, I want to not to get negative, but I, I do want to talk about this active shooter thing because mm -hmm. we, 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 right, you know, it's been a little while in the country since we've had a big one, and so we're all kind of now not thinking about it. But right. when it happens, and it's happened a lot, mm -hmm. it gets a lot of attention. Absolutely. And I know you've done active shooter training. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not asking you to just give me the solution to it, right. to, to this issue. But we've, we've seen this recurring with schools, with businesses, sure. with major outdoor gatherings. Las Vegas happened and all mm -hmm. these different. But what is, your, uh, what is your approach when you're doing active shooter training well, to the average person? Right. How, what, what, do you, what, what do you say? Um, well, my assignment currently is I'm in jail. Um, but I, for the last three and a half years, I worked in our community resource unit for the city of Camarillo. And in that capacity, I was the youth services coordinator. So I managed four SROs, um, went to the schools and dealt with the schools to assist the SROs in their jobs. Um, I also did a lot of active shooter um, phenomenon research and training as to what leads to a person becoming an active shooter or an active assailant. Shooter is just one, one thing, but this is something that occurs around the globe. We don't hear so much about it in different countries because in America we glorify the gun um, and gun control and that's one of the big cancers of debate in, in society. Right. Um, so the, the psychological makeup of a person who snaps, right? Whether it's um, the borderline shooting, Route 91 in Las Vegas, um, Jim O'Brien in, in Oxnard PD back in 1991 or two, when he was shot by a guy that went to the post office or wanted to go to shoot people up where he worked. There's any number of things that constitute that. So you, you can't really do pre-crime and figure out like, you know, thought crime, what's gonna happen and what makes a person and arrest them before they do it. Um, but we can only educate ourselves to understand some of those factors and set flags up, right? When the hair in the back of your neck stands up when somebody walks into a place that you're at, like a restaurant or whatever, that's what I'm referring to. Right. So what I do to teach the public, um, schools, faculties, administrators, business owners, small businesses, um, rotary clubs and so forth, is what to do in the event of an active shooter. Mm -hmm. and. Basically, our department um, endorses the run, hide, fight program, which basically you run, get yourself away, you hide if you can't get away, or if you're hiding and that barricaded area that you're in gets compromised and the, the active assailant comes there, you fight. You fight like your life depends on it because it does. Um, and it's you know a little bit more in depth than that, but um, also see something, say something. And what I mean by that is, we all get that weird feeling, yeah. you know? You, right. you know it. There's not a person on the planet that doesn't, you know, go into a situation and go, that one's off. Right. I'm going to watch this one. Um, cops, we always sit with our back to the wall or something so that right. we can see the door right. and we can see the restaurant right. or whatever. I do that. Um, yeah. yeah. Family members yeah. and friends that don't see me on a regular basis, they're always, you know, when I'm talking to them like this, I'm looking around whenever we're having a conversation. Like, Pay attention to me. 
And like, I'm just looking around. Don't worry, I'm listening. But, I'm um, yeah. but that's pay attention to that. So if you see something that looks out of place, you see something that indicates that mm, that one's a little bit off. Right. Say something about yeah. it. Yeah. Not necessarily like, yeah, that guy smells funny and he looks funny and he's dressed like a homeless person. Maybe he's homeless. I'm gonna I'm gonna call the cops on him. That's not what I mean. Right. I mean, if you're at work and you hear somebody say, somebody moved my stapler. I'm gonna bring this place down. That's when you say right, something, right? right? You know, because right. there's all these indicators. But so like uh, vigilance. Absolutely, be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, I, I I use this analogy when relating to the 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 common public, right? Society in general. There are those in society who, when walking through the airport terminal, just as an example, will when they need to orient, stop right where they're walking in the middle of the terminal and make everybody walk around them while they're figuring out where to go. That makes as much sense as in when you get lost on the freeway, you stop in the number one lane on the 405. <laughs> Not a good idea, right? right. Be aware, have self-aware or be self-aware and move to the side. Get out of the mainstream, figure yourself out. Now you're being aware of what's going on around you and you're not being you're not being what's going on around you. You are now aside from it, right. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody stops on the freeway in front of you and you're like, what are you doing? You know, keep going. They're what's going on. Right. Or rather, what's not going on because they're not moving. Right. Does right. it make sense? Right. Okay. Self-awareness, yeah. see something, say something. Yeah. Run, hide, fight. Yeah, for in terms of active shooter I situations. think we just need so much training in this. I'm thinking about schools, especially. Sure. And so SRO, that's a resource officer? School resource school officer, resource. Yes. So that's somebody on campus who is yes. armed? It's basically a deputy or an officer who's working at a school in particular or a number of schools that they're assigned to. And they're so. responsible for the safety of that campus? It's like a patrol officer has a patrol beat. The school resource officer, their beat is the school. Yeah. So I they like respond that. to all calls. They respond to it's it's PR. It's going out and talking to kids. It's right. not sitting there and you know, right, playing basketball with them and being their buddy. That's a little bit different. They're there to be accessible by students because right. let's face it, once a kid gets into the eighth grade, two things happen. They know everything and they don't want to deal with anybody, right? right so right. from eighth grade until high school, you know, kids are kind of rebellious or, or they're inquisitive, they're curious, they test the waters. Um, so if you have a deputy out there, an officer that's out there, they can walk up and say, you know, hey, so let me ask you a question. And you get some really good dialogue going on that way. Yeah. But they're also there in case fights happen, drugs are found or whatever, and arrests need to be made. Yeah, I, I just think that's important for every school. I mean, I just think having that person there who, who is armed, right. so, that, so it doesn't take seven minutes or whatever, is just critical. Absolutely. But, uh, well, thank you for what you've done. Oh, I appreciate um, it. We, we appreciate we, the support. Yeah, well, we honor you, and we're grateful for your service, and uh, I just think these are the best people on the planet. That's my opinion, so you, you don't have to react to that. Not all funny. of us are. I mean, he's funny. <laughs> Most of you. He's funny, too. Thanks for coming. Thank you very appreciate much. It. We'll see you next time.